Hello and welcome. You're listening to a Market Lane podcast. This episode is a part of our coffee rollout series where we introduce new coffees to the Market Lane team. My name is Einar and as always, Jason is here to tell us more about a new coffee. Some of you might remember this coffee from last year. It's a new coffee from Guji, Ethiopia, roasted for espresso. Today we're talking about Modokov. Hello, Jason. Hi, Anna. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. You've been to Ethiopia three times now. Could you tell us more about your trips? Sure. Each trip was uh, quite different. Uh, the first time I went was in 2014. I was lucky enough to travel with Paul Geishos from Mecca Coffee, with uh, Mia as well, Mia Hansen, who at the time was working for Dorman's Coffee. We spent about 10 days traveling through Ethiopia, mostly via road. We went down from Addis to Awasa and then across to the Bali Mountains and then back again. It was a very, very long time in the car. I think we spent most days, we spent six to seven hours in the car. It's very dusty <laughs> at certain points. For some reason, we were driving behind the first car in the uh, in the procession and we managed to just cop a dust like our car just filled with dust the whole time so <laughs> it was kind of a difficult trip it was definitely the hardest coffee trip I've been on but it was really interesting because it was also the most different the Bali mountains we went out to was sort of a, a newish coffee region in Ethiopia and it's where there a lot of new farms are being planted out so we were going out there to see a new farm called Biftu Gadina which we did buy a little bit from but we didn't continue buying from uh, we visited a number of farms that, that Paul Geishos was buying from, such as Ucro and Duramina. You might see them from time to time. They're reasonably famous coffee farms and washing stations in Ethiopia. So all in all, it was a tough trip, really interesting. Yeah, quite long as well. And my second trip to Ethiopia was buying with Sukafina. That was in 2018. So Mia, who we know, had moved from Dormans to Sukafina. And because we really knew her well and trusted her, we decided to buy through Sukafina. Sukafina is a large multinational company. It's, it's really well integrated throughout the supply chain in many places and Africa is one of them. At the time, there was a bit of civil unrest down in the country, down in Awasa in Sadama. So we actually just stayed in Addis Ababa, which was a little bit disappointing for me because I wanted to get out and see coffee farms. But it was a blessing really because it meant I got to spend a lot of time with some of the exporters that we buy coffee through. So exporters like Mordkoff, exporters like BNT, Nardos and Testi as well. We buy coffee from them with Sukafina or Sukafina sort of uh, facilitates our purchasing of those, those coffees. And then the third Third trip was probably the most interesting, I guess, because we decided to go in November, which is when they're picking coffee rather than when it's ready to taste. And I went with Miller, our head of staff, which was really nice. It was her first trip to a coffee origin and it was a real, I guess, a bit of a shock <laughs> for her, but it was very, very interesting. And to hear from her, what she saw as being really interesting as someone who hadn't been to a coffee producing country was really interesting for me as well. And that time we actually flew. So in the gap between 2014 and 2018, they'd rent Renovated an airport just outside Awasa in Sidama, and it meant that we were able to fly down. So instead of you know sitting in a car for six or seven hours, we were able just to pop down in a, a small plane. It would take 40 minutes, and that's all. We mostly just visited Shikiso, so we flew down to Awasa and then took quite a long drive across to Guji. The main sort of coffee region we buy from in Guji is around the town of Shikiso, and it's quite different to some other parts of Guji. So that's why I tend to refer to Shikiso quite a lot rather than just Guji. And yeah, we were lucky to, to visit. Mordkov and Memora on the same trip out from Shikiso. It's quite a long drive even from just from Shikiso out to the farms because the roads are quite terrible and depending on how much it's rained you can either drive on the roads or you have to sort of walk beside the car as the car slips and slides around and makes its way really slowly to the coffee farms. But we yeah we met a lot of pickers and we met some of the people processing the coffee at Mordkov and it was really really nice. 
Yeah, one thing that surprised me was uh, the distances between the the farms. So uh, I think our staff might remember Momora from last year and uh, Modukov as well. And they're fairly close to each other, but it's still quite a drive. It's quite a drive. We had planned on that day to leave Shikiso, go visit Mordkov and then see one or two other washing stations, but we simply ran out of time. I think the drive out from Shikiso to Mordkov was about three hours. So we were on Mordkov for a couple of hours. And by the time we were deciding whether we had enough left in the day to go visit somewhere else, we, we basically ran out of time. And some of the roads were closed and got a bit hard. So Yamamura is actually a, a river and that runs very close to, to Mordkov as well. So we were able to see parts of the Mamora farm after visiting Mordkov. I was just curious about one thing when you're spending so much time on the road is how do you organize the food and you have to kind of organize uh, where to stay and where to eat and what to eat? Yeah, it depends where you are. So in Ethiopia, it is a real logistics planning sort of event and you need someone who's very familiar with the area and the road. It's not it's not a place you can simply hire a car and you know hit the road. You have to bring water, you have to bring petrol, you have to bring enough food and you have to know whether it's safe to go to those places as well. We obviously went with Sukafina. We traveled with a gentleman called Mr. Adane and also with a agronomist who was more familiar with the area as well. So he was able to you know, know which local roads are closed, which are open, and where we can stop for food and things like that. It's not just food, it's also accommodation. There are only a few places, a handful of places down around in Guji and Sidama where, you know, it's it's nice to stay. Otherwise, it's camping or it's a very basic accommodation. Mm. And out of curiosity, what, what do you normally eat when you're traveling in Ethiopia? Personally, I, I try and stay away from any food that's been washed with fresh water because that's where most of the bacteria comes from so it's a matter of finding foods that are cooked or foods that are in in a type of skin so fresh fruit is obviously fine if it's in a skin like bananas so i ate a lot of bananas they also have a lot of curries and pasta oddly enough there's a quite a heavy italian influence especially in the west of ethiopia so we would quite often have uh, penne arabiata which is a spicy red sauce penne and for some reason they like it very very spicy so we ate that quite a lot and and any sort of cooked food like pizza or breads or stuff like not very healthy but also it's better than being sick also an honorable mention to coca-cola so Modukov is in the part of the uh, Sidamo region of Ethiopia, which is quite famous for, for their coffees. And we see a lot of retail bags with Sidamo written on them. And Guji is a zone or area in, within Sidamo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a number of, obviously a number of growing regions in Ethiopia. A lot of the coffee we buy from comes from Guji. And Guji is in Sidamo down sort of in the center. The area of Sidamo is actually kind of difficult to describe because it's not a, a block of area. It's sort of an area along the Rift Valley in the south east sort of area and then it also extends up towards the Bali mountains which are a bit further to the east of it so it's it's kind of a difficult area to describe they also have a lot of different levels of i guess traceability that you could describe for ethiopia you know you can accurately describe it this coffee is coming from sidamo you could accurately describe it as being from guji and you could also say it's from shikiso you know so there's a number of different ways you can describe it we've chosen to go with guji because it's well known in the future we might try and be a bit more specific and say it's in you know shikiso gets a little bit confusing because people do use local towns as the name for washing stations as well so we we tested many coffees from different suppliers and i remember one of them being called uraga and uraga is it's a small town it's a part of guji but it's also the name of a washing station so it can get a little bit confusing so let's talk about modukov uh it seems like a big farm a big area and you first visited in 2018 
and we had Modukov on the shelf in 2019 uh, last year and now this year. It's an enormous farm. So we didn't mention the population of Ethiopia, but there's 100 million people living in Ethiopia and a lot of them work in agriculture and a lot of them work in coffee. So the average farm size for someone in Ethiopia is like two to three hectares. And this means that there is a lot of coffee produced in Ethiopia. Around Shikiso as well is a really prominent coffee growing area and a big big wet mill like Mordkov will actually have a lot of outgrowers or people living around the wet mill that will contribute to it. So Mordkov itself, I think is a 500 hectares. Then in addition to that, there's another two or 300 sort of outgrowers or people who live in the region around it. So it's an enormous coffee growing region. It means that the output from Mordkov itself is huge. So you could think about the average low yield of coffee from a hectare being 10 bags of coffee. And on the higher side, it's 30 bags of coffee, 30 by 60 kilos, which means the potential output could be something like 80 full containers of coffee, which is kind of mind boggling. But the the way that trade's done in Ethiopia, it's not really geared towards roasters like Market Lane, I guess, because we, we were only looking to buy a few thousand kilo from a farm like Mordkov. He is normally looking at shifting either full containers or multiple full containers to customers. And his customers might be like Starbucks or something like that, like really big customers. So when you say he, you're talking about uh, Haley, the uh owner of Modukov? Yes, I'm talking about Haile Gobra. Yeah. <laughs> and could you tell us a little bit more about him? Yeah, he's, uh, he's an amazing man. I met him in the my first trip in 2018. When I stayed in Addis, he showed me around his new dry mill. And it was you know a state-of-the-art facility, very large. He's really community-focused and community-minded. So he cares a lot about the people surrounding his washing station in Shikiso, and he, he cares about their well-being. He spent a lot of time explaining to me that and on the tour of the dry mill, he took me into the office and explained his his company structure and the history of Mordkov. And also took a lot of time explaining that we all grow together, meaning when your business grows, his business grows. And when his outgrowers improve their yields, um, his washing station also improves their, their yields. So he does a, a, few, a, a number of things. And I think one of the most important or impactful things is the production of seedlings for coffee producers in the area. Using more productive and resistant strains of coffee varieties is, is quite difficult in Ethiopia. The Jimma Agricultural Research Center, which is the government organization which actually produces improved varieties for different areas, they have a real cap on how much coffee they can produce or how much proper genetic seed stock they can produce. And then there are also problems with distribution and timeframes and stuff like that. So it's actually a lot of the onus is on larger individual landholders to produce that seed stock for for themselves, but also for the area around them. So they can continue to produce um, improved varieties for, for themselves, but also the local outgrowers and the people in the region. Uh, this coffee is also grown organically. I wanted to ask uh, about organic coffee and why we don't put organic coffee as a as a label on on the packaging in australia we have fairly weak um, labeling laws so we could say organic without it being technically organic certified um, organic certification means that a third party organization has come in and audited our roasting facility the way that we handle organics coming into australia the way that we handle organics going out to our customers so for us to be organically certified we'd need to uh, basically have a proper separation between the not organics and the organics in terms of coffee coming in we've chosen not to do it because we don't see it as being that important in terms of 
in terms of quality, but it's definitely something that's on our radar. And, and for us to know that he produces coffee organically is important to us, but we're not at a stage where we want to become organically certified or, or promote it that much. But yeah, he has a lot of certifications and part of his, his dealings with customers like Starbucks and, and larger buyers means that he, he will have all the certifications that you can think of and that, that will help him get a better price with those larger customers and, and sort of help him prove to them that he has good practices on his farm. Mm. Uh, one thing that we do put on the label is the varietal and this time it says Ethiopian land race. Could you explain what Ethiopian land race refers to? Yes. Sure. So Landrace refers to coffee varieties that are native or indigenous to Ethiopia. And this includes coffees that could just be called forest coffees or coffees that are wildly growing in forested areas. But it also includes improved coffee varieties that have been made from selections from these forests. So I mentioned the, the Jimma Agricultural Research Center earlier. They did a, quite a number of selections from wild forests in the 70s. And they planted out big coffee gardens and, and found varieties that did quite a bit better in terms of uh, yield production and resistance to pests and um, diseases and they distributed them they found some grew better in other areas and distributed them out through Ethiopia the two main common jack varieties are numbered they're 74 stands for the year 74 1974 74112 and 74110. They're the main sort of predominant improved varieties that are used through Ethiopia. But there are, I think, about 42 different improved varieties that Jark released. We don't know exactly whether Haile is growing or which improved variety that he's growing, but we do know that it's one of the two, basically 74112 or 74110. So compared to our heirloom varietal, Ethiopian land race is more specific? It's just a little bit more specific. Yeah, we, we would like to get to the point where we can say, you know, specifically which variety it is. And for some washing stations, we have that information. So for um, for Jigesa, we, uh, we we have found that they grow the Kurume variety in Jigesa, which is one of the Jark selections. Yeah. And also, if we remember Verka, it was the Jark 74112 mm. varietal. So it's yeah. technically also a land race. It's also a land race, the particular land race type. So we just finished up Verka Espresso and Filter, but thinking about Verka Espresso, how does, in terms of taste, does Modokov compare? I think Modokov is a bit richer, heavy bodied, also a little bit cleaner, I suppose. I didn't get as much sort of, yeah, fermented fruit character from it, or I guess acetic acidity which is kind of the, the thing you would get from an overripe strawberry or so. We tasted it earlier. Do you have some notes you want to share? Uh, yeah, we made it with uh, Nick uh, in the morning. And um, first up, I got a lot of uh, blueberry, cherries, kind of fruit-like character. Uh, I thought it was also very clean. It didn't taste like strongly natural process to me. Then I got soft citrus-like acidity, like mandarins. Uh, and aftertaste was almonds, vanilla, and apricot. How about you, Jason? Similar. I had a really strong sort of dried cherry aroma. Then in the cup, I found it to be very sweet, nice plum. I found a bit of red tea, sort of a zingy raspberry taste, which is nice. In the mid palate, some dark chocolate, red apple, orange, a little bit of toast or sort of um, oak, I guess, on the finish. Uh, we tested with milk as well. With milk, I found it to be, you know, quite custardy, sort of like a vanilla blueberry milkshake sort of vibe, which I thought was very nice. Yeah, I, I don't normally go for natural Ethiopians with milk, but it was surprisingly nice. Mm. It got quite creamy, obviously creamy tasting notes. Macadamia, a fruit and nut chocolate bar, if it was made with a really milky chocolate. And also got uh, kind of cheesecake base that kind of 
biscuity. Yeah, like mm. digestive biscuits with maybe some extra butter. Mm. Uh, also soft mandarins. Yeah, uh, I want to share Nick's tasting note as well. Oh. Uh, it was uh, black forest cake. Black forest cake. Yeah, yeah so that yum. kind of German creamy cherry chocolate cake. Uh, Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte. Delicious. Modukov Espresso is a natural processed Ethiopian landrace varietal from the Guji region of Ethiopia. The tasting notes are orange and dark chocolate with a honey finish. This coffee retails for $20 for 250g and $68 per kilo. This coffee will be on the shelf and the menu until December and it will be the coffee club next week, so the week of 6th of September. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you found it interesting or at least learned something about Mordkov from this. Please uh, get in touch if you have any questions or comments, feedback. Yeah, and if you have time in the shops, please uh, try it sooner uh, rather than later. And also with milk, it's delicious. We hope you enjoy the coffee and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye.